the will to win, where emerging entrepreneurs come to learn the best tips, strategies, and techniques to unlock their potential and become more successful. I'm your host, Steve Scarney, and each week I will bring on the most incredible guests who are going to share their own unique stories, knowledge, wisdom, and insights about how they've been able to close the gap between failure and success, and then go on to live a life of greatness. Here at The Will To Win, we are dedicated to educating and inspiring you to be able to maximize your potential and make what seems impossible totally possible. Welcome to The Will To Win show, Rick Schnabel. It's such an honor to have you on the show as our guest today. You're on the second episode. How exciting. And yeah, how do you feel? I feel very, very good. I've had an awesome day today. So yes, I'm very excited to share on the show today. That's so good to hear. Amazing. And from just speaking to you previously, you've had quite a journey throughout your life to get to where you are today. But before we dig into it or delve into it, I'm going to read a bit about your bio here. So you're the brain untrainer with over 38,000 brain untraining hours. He is a multiple best-selling author, a world-class master NLP trainer, a leading life coach and life coach trainer, a radio host, and a passionate and articulate force for good in the world. Wow. Whew, what an intro. Well, it's been a lot of years, I'll tell you. <laughs> so yeah, so it's it, it has been a very very long journey. There's um, there's there's a hell of a lot of things I've done in particularly the last what twenty twenty one years. I've been working mm-hmm. in the self development space, mm-hmm. and uh, you know teaching life coaches, you know teaching people neuro linguistic programming. And of course, um, you know, enjoying the benefits of, of teaching that and being being in the self development space is is a fantastic space because you can't help but kind of take your own product. Yeah, and yeah, you've you've got a wealth of experience, and you you've you know so much. As I've heard, you know, a lot of the things that you've shared already in your you know, business and what you're doing as the brain on trainer. But what we want to, I guess what we're we're here today is to just unravel your story. How did you go from where you were to where you are now and transform your life? Because it wasn't an easy road. You didn't just, you know, become a millionaire overnight. It was a journey. Yeah, it was a, well, it was a very, very big journey. It was a journey that in truth at the very beginning, the biggest challenge and the hardest part of the journey was the fact that I never, ever thought I would get to this space. I never, I never believed it. I never believed I would ever, you know, do well financially. I never believed that I would, you know, be out there helping people. I never believed that I would become a public persona. None of that mm. sort of stuff yep. really featured in my life. And as a result, you know, my life was, you know, a roller coaster ride of ups and downs with more downs than ups, that's for sure. Mm. <laughs> mm, interesting. And so, in the early stages of, you know, your life, um, like where did, where did this entrepreneurial spirit begin? Where did you sort of kickstart your ambition or what was the defining moment that led you to, you know, to where you are? Well, I, I guess when, when you look at someone's challenges, and this is something that I see very, very commonly, I, I teach life coaches, and I teach neuro-linguistic programming. And typically people come into my trainings and they'll often, you know, I'll often ask everyone, hey, why are you in this training? Why are you in this training? And you'll hear people say, I'm anxious, you know, and that's why I'm in this training. I want to get rid of that anxiety or I'm depressed and I want to get rid of depression or I'm not succeeding financially and I want to get beyond that. Now, by the time we finish the program, usually those same people come back to me and they say, oh, my God, this is amazing. I've gotten rid of my anxiety. I've gotten rid of my yeah. depression. I'm, you know, I, I've now got my money stuff worked out. And 
typically those people want to now go out in those spaces and help other people mm. do exactly the same thing. So my life was no different. My life was exactly the same, you know, just so your listeners and viewers get a sense of where I came from. I came from a couple, my mother and father, who essentially went through World War II. We're talking about, you know, my father being, you know, in the trenches, you know, fighting a war. My mother through a depression trying to raise my brother at the time who, of course, is older than me. And, um, you know, they had a really hard time. So when they migrated to Australia, essentially they brought with them their entire poverty mentality. Hmm. And, uh, and that's growing up when I was born and I was the first born in our family in Australia. And when I was born, that was my world. That's what I believed the world was. That's what my predicament was. That was my DNA. I would never be any better than my parents. Not that, you know, that really matters all that much. I mean, everyone has the opportunity to live the life that they want. But but the thing was, uh, that was my limitation. So my first main motivation was actually financial. You know, I, I was mm. wanting to get to a point where I was no longer, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, struggling, you know, trying to make ends meet, you know, all of those sorts of things. And so I went into the neural space, you know, and that that's where I found my uh, panacea to, to all of those problems because mm. – I started to realize that much of how I thought and what I believed was really hindering me. It was really stopping me from creating incredible opportunities. Like, you know, my very first mentor that I had at one point, he said, you can do this, Rick. You can, you can go out there and you can, you can make millions of dollars. Now, millions of dollars in my mind was impossible. You know, millions of dollars in my mind, I, I couldn't even work it out. You know, I, I couldn't even go, wait a minute, how do I do that? Look at what, I, what I'm charging as a coach. How It's impossible that there aren't the hours to be able to do that. But there was a lot of things that I didn't know as well. And uh, thankfully, you know, my NLP trainer also mm. became my mentor. And uh, he showed me ways to make that mathematics work. But the thing that I started to learn is that your external results are actually more to do with your internal mind game than mm. anything else. So that was really a big turning point for me. Mm. And, and how did you start to put some of those things, those, I guess, habits, those uh, strategies in place to be able to master your mind internally because often what we do is we allow the external environment, the world outside of us to to impact what we can or can't do but really you've got to flip it around. So how, do you, how did you do that? Well, the, the first thing that I started to realise was that, you know, I, I, I went easy on myself. Because I began to realize that the truth is the large majority of people have no concept of what we call metacognition. And, and that is most people can be excused for not really truly understanding what are, what are the motivators that are underneath our thoughts? You know, what are the things that cause our thoughts? Hmm. And most people, sure, some people have heard about concepts of manifesting and the law of attraction hmm. and things like that. And people are a lot more aware of those things now than ever before. But a lot of people still have not put together the dots. You know, most people think that we are a result of our external world hmm. and we are a result of all the things that are happening or not happening in our lives. And mm. as a result of that, it's very easy to to understand that, that people will think, well, they're my limits. You know, that's that's just mm. the way it is. That's my DNA. That's my that's my destiny. That's that's my path. And and they 
limit themselves and lock themselves into the what we call the boundary conditions of their thinking. Hmm. So uh, I'll give you a classic example. I was running a workshop at one particular point and I was teaching people how to think in richer ways. And, you know, it was I launched uh, my book, you know, A Richer Way to Think. And so I wanted to do some workshops along with that to show people how to think in richer ways. So uh, I did a very cheeky thing, you know, in the in the workshop. I said, I want to find out in this room if you're willing who is the poorest person in this room and who is the richest? And, uh, you know, I was quite surprised that in a very short space of time we identified who was the richest and who was the poorest person in the room. So I said, okay, so I'm going to ask firstly the poorest person in the room, how do you get wealthy? And I just want, you know, not full strategies. I just want singular words or very short phrases. And so what I got was concepts like, you know, study hard, work hard, mm-hmm. you know, work long, yeah. find the right job, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I was writing all these things on butcher paper and, uh, and then I put a circle around all of these things. And then I said, okay, now what I want to do is I want to hear from the richest person in the room and, and I want you to tell me how do you become wealthy? And all of a sudden it was a whole different stream of words, you know, words like invest in your mindset, invest in yourself, work smarter, build your networks, get clear on your goals, leverage, you know, and these were all phrases and words that certainly didn't come from the poorest person in the room. Mm. So the great thing about it was that what we started to discover was we had a little circle with all these first words and then we had a much bigger circle with all these other words. So the things that we have to understand is that in order, if if we've got a goal, you know, Mm. to achieve a certain thing, like let's bring it into context of relationships. You know, there are some people that believe they're very lonely, you know, know, they're struggling to find what they might classify as their soulmate. And so as a result of that, what they're doing is they've got a strategy and they've got a way in which they're never going to find their soulmate. Hmm. So they've got beliefs, they've got, you know, this is all wrapped up in identity. They've got beliefs, they've got language, they've got neurological patterns, they've got metaprograms, they've got memories, they've got values, and all of these things are the subtotal of identity. Hmm. So all of those things are going to keep ensuring that they never find their soulmate, Hmm. you know, and whereas someone who has found their soulmate and you ask them, how did you find your soulmate? They will have strategies in order to find a soulmate. Absolutely. And so, you know, those things can be taught. Like if you can, if you're good enough to be able to ask the right questions, you can extract from that person who has found their soulmate what was the strategy in order to make that a possibility or a reality. And then you could teach that to the person who's struggling and they would become like the example of the richest person in the room and the poorest person in the room, these things can cross-pollinate. And that's what's so wonderful about podcasts like what you're doing right now. Mm. It creates the opportunity where someone can share strategies, ideas, concepts to kind of switch people's thinking. And the truth is the sum total of our life is the sum total of our thinking thus far. So if we want a new life or a different life, we've got to think differently. This was was the first aha for me. And, uh, and this happened for me when, when I was at a horrible point, you know, I was down to my last $27. I was, you know, really being threatened with homelessness for the very second time in my life. Right. Not just once. Not just once, twice. Yeah. It happened twice in my life. And and I knew this was a pattern and I knew this had everything to do with my thinking, but Mm. of course I didn't know that until I went and studied neuro-linguistic programming. So I knew that there were beliefs, there were patterns, there were values, there were metaprograms, there were language patterns, there were memories, all these things and beliefs that were holding my identity in place. So 
I just said to myself, this is it. This is the line in the sand. I'm going to do everything different. I'm going to think differently. I'm going to be different. I'm going to breathe differently. I'm going to stand differently. I'm going to walk differently. I'm going to dress differently because everything I'm doing right now, you know, it could be assumed that the large majority of it's not working. Hmm. So if I can change most of those things, there's an opportunity to For sure. It's a total paradigm shift. It it is. And, you know, that's what you would call a paradigm shift. It's something that we have uh, a way of thinking, which is a trajectory that directs us into that line of thinking. And to start thinking differently takes us down another path and alternately, you know, we can think differently and go down another path. Hmm. you know, like, like he, here's a classic example. I was working with a lady and, and, and this is as a coach. And I said to her, I said, you know, what's your challenge? You know, what do you really want to work on? She said, Rick, I have been out of a job for six months now and I'm really struggling. You know, uh, my savings are fast vanishing. And she said it's starting to get to a critical point. And uh, she said, I've got to get a job or else. And I said, okay. So what wise why do you think you haven't been able to get a job? Now she gave me all these reasons. You know, uh, you know, in my industry, I need to upskill and I haven't upskilled in a long, long time. You know, uh, I'm not presenting well at the interviews. There are more candidates that are more highly suited, you know. Data, 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 data. Story, 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 story. Beliefs, 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 beliefs. So I said to her, I said, what about, what about, do you believe that it is possible that tomorrow an opportunity could come and all of a sudden, bang, problem gone? Mm, Wow. You know, is it possible? And she said, well, if I look at my history, I can look basically six months down the track and tell you that six months I've been failing. So the evidence procedure says that chances are tomorrow I will not get a job opportunity. Hmm. And I said, okay, so that could be the beginning of your problems. Hmm. You know, that, you know, we rarely get what we want. We sometimes don't even get what we need, but we always get what we expect. Hmm. So I said, could you just simply change your expectations? And she said, well, that's a bit hard to consume. I said, okay, well, let's do some inner work. So we did a whole bunch of inner work. Within a week, she got a job. Wow. You know, um, there was another guy, similar situation, similar duration. You know, he'd been without a job for six months and he was, you know, on a high salary was the last role that he had and he, you know, of course he had some good savings which were great. And we were doing a bit of coaching and we're up to now about the third session. And, uh, you know, he's going, you know, this is all good and well, Rick, but, you know, I want a job right now. I'm really, you know, and he was really getting quite angry and annoyed. And I stopped him and I said, that guy will never get a job. Hmm. And I said, you've got to get rid of that guy. That guy's just angry. So how about we do some work on anger and get rid of the anger and then let's do some work on the guy that is going to get the job. And I don't want to talk to your your limited self. I don't want to talk to you with all the stories. I want to talk Hmm. to your higher self. I want him to step up. Yeah. And we finally got to a point where where he was he all of a sudden got very determined, very focused, and I said, "That's the guy. That's the guy that's going to get the job, not that other loser." You know, and I was being a bit, you know, um, I guess playful in, in, sure. in our coaching, but you know, within within, I, th- I think I can't recall, but I think it was two weeks. Within two weeks, he had his job. Incredible, know? and. You know, everything was fine after that. But it's an interesting thing, even from our coaching perspective, you know, after that he went, oh, he said, okay, so what else are we going to work on? You know, I've got my job now. I said, I tell you, there's a ton more we can work on, (laughs) you know. But it's interesting that sometimes, 
you know, I find that people come to me, you know, as a coach only when they're in such a desperate position. And, um, you know, whereas if they came to me much earlier than that, they would never be in a desperate position, Mm, you know, so it's quite an irony. Yeah, and is it because we just leave things until we hit rock bottom, we put them off, we avoid them, we don't want to face reality until we know we we have to, we've got no choice, there is no other option. And that's where when we the major turning point takes place. Yeah, absolutely. It's a I've got a I've got an event running this weekend called Breakthrough. Now, what I'll be telling that audience is I'll be saying, look, guys, here's reality. Most people don't get a breakthrough until they get a breakdown. Mm. You know, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you how not to break down and how to break through without a breakdown. You know, wow. but the truth is that that is the way that most people play the game. They wait until they bang, hit rock bottom, and when they've hit rock bottom, then they reach out for help. Um, and I think a lot of that has got to do with pride, you know, and, and pride, by the way, is a very low vibration, you know, and uh, it's, it's not much higher than shame, you know, which sits about 20 hertz. You know, it's a very low, low, low vibration. And um, pride, I can't recall, but I think it's somewhere up around about 150 hertz. So it's not much higher. But the thing is, you know, it can be a very destructive emotion. It's a little bit aligned with ego to some degree, Mm. you know, and our ego at the end of the day is usually the most expensive thing we own. Mm. Like how, how do we allow our pride or our ego to get the better of us? How is it stopping us from progressing and, you know, moving forward with our lives? Well, there's one fundamental thing that we have to understand. You know, we have we have concepts and ideas that we got from birth. So if you think about it in this context, when we're born, our eyes are clear, our ears are clear, our brain is clear. Other than what we had to do to wrestle our way, you know, down the birth canal, you know, we really don't really require anything other than the fundamentals, you know, breathing, blinking, you know, and, and moving our arms and, and so forth and, and, and vocalising. So when, for example, at a very young age, when our mother or our father picks us up and, and brings us up, for the first time that happens, what happens is usually we get hugged. So we're up against a chest, we can feel a heartbeat, we can feel the warmth of the skin, we can, we're, we're in a safe environment. So pretty quickly we work out that up is good. But conversely, we also work out that down is bad because when we are put down, we go away from the warmth, we go away from the hug and all of that. Mm. So, so we learn these concepts very, very fast. So, you know, most of us like to go up. Most of us do not want to go down, no. you know, and, not at all. and so, so all of these concepts uh, form into our brain and, and these pretty much pretty quickly start to create incredible biases. So the first thing we have to understand in order to be successful, you have to master the game of getting beyond a piece in your brain, essentially your amygdala, which is your safety filter. You know, what it does is you walk into a room and the first thing you'll typically do is you'll ask the question, am I safe here? It won't be conscious, mm. you know. It, oh, it never is. It's Yeah, it's usually unconscious and you're looking around. And, you know, if you were bullied at school and there's a guy in the corner that looks a bit like the bully, you'll probably mm. be in the other corner or you'll be out of the room. Mm. And or you'll feel or you'll be in the room but you'll feel unsafe or you won't feel secure. So mm. to be successful, like one of my mentors, you know, the first thing yeah. that he said to me is he said, look, if, if you want to change your financial game, you have to learn how to be a public speaker. You've got to learn the craft of communication. Mm. Prior to that, I used to have a lot of ums and ahs and I couldn't get clear on my language, I couldn't get clear on my points, and I had to mm. learn some basic foundational skills 
that most public speakers have to learn. I also had to learn to put myself in front of an audience which defies your safety filter. Oh, it certainly does. So what you've got to do is you've got to be okay with not being safe and you've got to learn the craft of Mm. building your courage muscle. And, you know, over the years, I I work with lots of different people. I work with famous people, successful people, and everyone in between. And the thing that I've come to realize, and quite often, you know, because you're, you know, on Zoom or something like this, coaching somebody, and, you know, you'll, you'll say to them, tell me, you know, you're a very successful person, you've done great things, you know, most people know you as a superstar of this or a legend of that. Do you feel scared? You know, if you're going to do something new, do you feel scared? And they'll say, oh, my God, Rick, you betcha, you betcha. Okay, but does it stop you? And they say, no, it can't. It it, it can't. It's impossible because my goal or my value or what I consider to be important is is higher on my value system than fear. So when when what you need to do or want to do or care to do is higher in value than the fear to do it, you'll do it, you know, and you'll shut off that safety filter, you know. So it's it's a very fundamental piece in the mindset game going on the journey to success. You know, you've definitely got to turn off that safety filter. You know, even though your body might be freaking out, your heart rate might be increasing, you might be sweating on palms, you you know, you might have a sweaty brow or, you know, these are the signals of the biochemistry or the biological signals that say, whoa, something's going on. Be careful. You've got to say shut up. (laughs) I don't want to hear it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, you've got to just turn it right off. That makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And it's, yeah, it really is being able to see it when it's happening, like to to realize that this fear is kicking in, this, I guess, you worrying about what could happen, what might not happen. It's just, yeah, when when you get to any kind of stage where you're in that fight or flight mode, yeah, you've really got to make that decision. Am I going to? go back to safety or am I going to step out um, in confidence yeah. and take a leap of faith? Yeah. I mean, actually in the space of the, you know, the, the money game or the wealth game, call it what you will, Yeah. the biggest problem that I've seen over the years is that people care too much about what other people think of them. Oh, and, so. you know, and if, if, if you think, if you're too worried about what other people think of you, then what's going to happen is you're going to limit how you communicate. Mm. You're going to limit your public exposure. You're going to mm. limit any risk. And as a result of that, you're just going to absolutely ensure that you're very average throughout mm. all of your life. And, wow. you know, you, you've got to get beyond that. Absolutely. And I know for me personally, that's what I realized. Like I was previously years ago, just worried about what other people think, what might happen if people judge me or if I did this or I did that. And I would like just stay in safety and it limited me. It stopped me from progressing. And, and I noticed that now I'm doing so much more because I've let go of that safety I'm like, I don't care about the safety anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's a good thing. I mean, like what you're doing right now is you're doing a podcast. You, you cannot control who will listen and watch this. You can't control that to some degree based on the platforms that you put yourself up on. But the truth is this, that, you know, the great thing about turning off that safety filter and turning up that courage What that does is that allows opportunity for other people to gain value. And, you know, when you care so much about the people you serve and who you help, then you become second to your focus. You become second Mm. to what you're doing and your mission. Mm. And it makes a significant difference. You know, like 
One thing I've certainly learned over the years is I care a huge amount for humanity. And, and, and I want to be able to write books. I want to be able to do courses both live and online. I want to be able to speak. I want to be able to coach. I want to be able to, you know, appear on podcasts. I want to be able to help as many people as I possibly can. Amazing. You know, and so as a result of that, the things that I've got to get over, I mean, here's something that I get every now and then, you know, I'll, I'll go, go off and do a talk and I'll have yeah. someone and typically they've got big locks of hair and they'll go, <laughs> what's with the hairdo? Yeah. yeah. You know, and what they're commenting on is, you know, my number one buzz, buzz cut, mm. yeah. you know, or my number zero buzz cut. Mm. But the, the thing is, you know, some people get very, you know, worried about their appearance. Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it is important perhaps to take some pride in how you look. But at the end of the day, the truth is that I'm going to age. The truth is that I'm going to have certain clothes choices. The truth is that I'm going to sound a certain way. And none of that should get in the way of my mission you know, none of that should get in the way of me helping any. You know, so the first thing that you've got to overcome is, you know, how you uh, may appear. Um, does that help? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's very, very helpful. And, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's raising the volume of your courage and being willing to be uncomfortable because the more, you know, we place ourselves in uncomfortable situations, the more we get to grow, the better person we tend to become. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a mentor at one particular point. He said a funny thing to me that I'll never forget. And he said, hmm. you ask too many how questions, <laughs> you know, and I went, oh, okay, do I? And he said, yeah, yeah you ask a lot of how questions. Are you? Do you teach? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I do. And he said, well, that's probably why you ask so many how questions, you know. <laughs> but he said, if you ultimately really want to get to the space that you want to get to, he said, jump off your how questions every now and then and jump into your why questions. Hmm. You know, ask yourself, why am I doing this? Ask yourself, why do I get out of bed every day? Ask yourself, hmm. why do I not go to sleep so early? You know, and and once you once you really tap into your why or your purpose, mm. you can be completely unstoppable. And mm. you know, one of my mentors said, "Create a why that makes you cry." And uh, wow. and I always remembered that. And you know, I put that in a lot of my books. You know, mm. um, I really love that particular line. You know, create a why that makes you cry. And mm. that's, heard that that's your motive. You know, that becomes your motive. That becomes the thing that you do that keeps you doing what you do. Like, you know, I've now been doing this for I think it's 21 years since 2002. And um, a lot of people say to me, Jeepers Creepers, you're still going. You know, and I go, well, you know, I'll, I'll probably go until the day I die doing exactly this because, you know, I, I want to leave this planet and, and I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave some value. You know, I want to leave some gold dust, you know, that shows a bit of a trail because mm. there's a lot of people out there that, you know, are, are really struggling, you know, are really having some challenges in their life. Mm. And I found so many tools and so many ways that people can move forward and, you know, it's, it's kind of when you learn something new, it's a little bit remiss of you yeah. to not share that knowledge if it doesn't help, you know, if, if it helps someone else, you should share it, you know, and, and that's my view. I, I totally agree because there's no point leaving it tucked away if you, you know, when you can use it to have an impact. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a there's an old, old, um, you know, type way of thinking, which is, mm. you know, don't share your best secrets, you know, keep them to yourself, mm. get an edge, you know, have mm. the edge on your competition and stuff like that. Mm. Um, one thing I've certainly learned in life is there's, there's an ascension, 
So what I mean by that is if you, if you go down at the very lowest levels, you know, the, the place in which people fight and argue and they're angry and they're, mm. they're, they're bitter and, and those sorts of feelings and thoughts, you're going to find yourself in a, in a real tussle. So if you if you elevate your thinking or elevate your frequency or elevate your vibration to the next level, you might find that you're at a space of peace or joy or love or bliss or or even a space of neutrality, you know. So so that can allow you this incredible opportunity of liberation. But further up the scale, if you really move up the scale, words like competition Words like winning mm -hmm. all of a sudden have no meaning anymore. You know, what are you winning? You know, whenever there's a winner, there's a loser. You know, um, where are you? Where are you beating somebody? You know, so, so therefore, it, to me, it sounds very much like a struggle. And, and when we start thinking about struggles or those levels of polarity, you know, what happens in the world is, is we find ourselves in a battle. You know, a lot of people say, you know, it's a war out there. Well, you know, if you believe it's a war out there, guess what? You're going out there with weapons and your fists. You know, but if you don't believe it's a war out there, then, then you're not going towards the world, you know, with your fists flying high. You know, there, there was a, uh, an editor of a newspaper that I was doing some coaching with at one particular point. And I said to him, I said, I've worked out the biggest core of your problem. Uh, and he said, what's that? And I said, you start most of your sentences with the problem is. <laughs> and he said, what do you mean? And he didn't even get it at this point. Yeah. And I said, well, think about it. If you keep saying the problem is, your brain is trained to look for all the problems. <laughs> and he said, yeah, but my world is filled with problems. I said, no wonder change your language and then change yeah. the belief system and everything underneath that that keeps bringing up the problem is. So, you know, wow. it's the same thing when someone says, you know, life is a battle or, you know, you've got to win at all costs. What costs? Who's got to win? Therefore, who's got to, who's going to lose? Hmm. You know, so if we're going to work as a, as a planet that works together, you know, we've got to start to become collaborative, not competitive. Uh, I totally agree. How can we work together? How can we leverage off each other? How can we team up and, and make the world a better place? Yeah. Or maybe there's something in my business that you know that could help me and maybe there's something in my business that I know that could help you. And then we have a win-win as Stephen R. Covey says, like, you know, it's not about win-lose, it's about creating a win-win outcome. Yep. And that's what a, a great entrepreneur does. Absolutely. And, you know, people who work together can, you know, there, there's an old, there's an old adage in entrepreneurship, you know, and that is one plus one does not equal two. You hmm. know, you get two minds together and it's infinite. You know, you can create infinite potential, infinite possibilities, but if you think in a silo and you think on your own, you can only ever work with your own ideas. You know, you can never be challenged. You can never go beyond where you are. So, you know, getting two heads usually creates opportunities. For sure. And you, you touched on the idea of uh, raising your vibrational frequency. And like in your work, like what kind of things, and you probably already touched on some of them already, but how do you help people raise their frequency to take it to the next level, especially as people who are so low down that they just, they don't know what to do. They're just so, in, they're in that, um, what you said, boundary conditioning, like they're bound by the conditioning in their own mind. They're not able to think outside the box. The, the first thing that I see is a lot of people get this wrong. So imagine someone who is, let's call it in the pits of hell, you know, things are not great in their world. You know, so they're at a very, very low vibration. If you go up to them and you then say, come on, you can do it, you know, and you start sounding like that, they're going to want to punch you. 
Hmm. And because your vibration, vibrational match is way, way, let's call it above theirs. So there's a big gap between your thinking and their thinking. So the first thing that you've got to do is, and this is why humanity has the aspect of empathy and sympathy. Hmm. So you probably want to use more empathy than sympathy, but the thing that you want to be able to do is empathize and go, look, I get it. I get it. You know, I, I understand why you're thinking like you're thinking. And that's usually the first step. So now you have a person who is going, ah, oh, fantastic. Someone finally gets me. And so now you can have a conversation at the same level. Of course, you don't allow your energy to go down to that level, but you allow your conversation to go down to that level. So your job is to help them to begin to shift at least one level, you know. Don't get them to go about 10 levels up, just one level and bring them up to the next level. So you're going to work out what is their predominant belief system, what is their neurology, what are their patterns, what is an event that, you know, sort of might have happened in their life at a particular point that's really causing them to stay there. Now, there's a there's a technique that, that I often use because, you know, around Christmas time, you know, I say, that's it, guys, I'm going on holiday. And, uh, of course, I never completely go on holiday because we, <laughs> we often get people who call us and go, I, I'm at the worst place in my life. Christmas can be a very sad time for a lot of people. <laughs> so... I usually have people on watch, on alert, and uh, I remember one particular gentleman from Adelaide and he contacted me and he never said the word suicide or anything like that, but I could hear it. And uh, so I said, okay, I'm going to get you to do just one thing and uh, I want you, so I told him what to do and I said, I want you to just practice and focus on this just for a whole day and call me back same time tomorrow. And he said, yeah, okay, okay. And off he went. The following day I could hear his voice had come up just a little bit. He sounded a little bit better. So I then said, okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to do this. So I gave him a technique and I said, just practice that, you know, three or four times, you know, today and then call me back tomorrow. And so I just kept getting him to call me back on a regular basis just to keep close to him. And each day he sounded better and better. So when someone has depression, for example, you're just aiming to kind of get them up a notch. Now, that same gentleman, he went right through our NLP program. He went from practitioner to master's to our speaker training, right up to our trainer training. He wow. now helps people who are just like he was and he's Incredible. in a completely different space now. Hmm. But you can't take a person there on day one. You've got to take them very slowly, very gently because it's a partnership, you know, and, and what you're doing, and I equally see training as a partnership as well as I see coaching as a partnership. Hmm. You know, I don't call my students students. I call them family. You know, I go, guys, you're in our family. So how would you want to be treated in a family? You know, so that's how we're going to treat you. We're going to treat you like a brother. We're going to treat you like a sister. We're going to treat you with respect. We're going to make sure that this is comfortable. It's safe. And, of course, we're going to push you a little bit too because, you know, we want you to grow. And so from that, you know, we're like we're still connected to people that we taught, you know, back in the early days of our training. Wow. They're still part of our family. They're still part of our network. Sure, they're now trainers, speakers, authors, coaches, people who are out there doing great things, but they're still in our family, you know, and uh, they wouldn't have gotten there without taking them up very gently, very slowly, taking them up through levels. And typically what you've got to do when you take a person to a new level, hmm. it's you've got to give them a, a paradigm, a, a new concept that they can kind of, you know, put themselves up on and start to get a new perspective. For example, you know, what you can do is something that we will often do when coaching and training people is we'll say, look, firstly, 
Yep. The thing that you have to understand is that life essentially or time is not linear. You know, there are many beliefs that believe that life is linear, but it's not. It's fractal, you know, and if you study people like Greg Braden, who is an amazing scientist and a fantastic humanitarian and, a, and you know, someone I certainly admire, um, you know, he talks about life being very cyclical, very fractal. You know, so, so what happens is we go through patterns. And so you've probably heard the saying that the universe will whisper in your ear, you know, I have. or it'll tickle you with a feather and then slam you with a train. <laughs> so that's based on, on fractal time. So what happens is, you know, we go around, let's say if the thing that we've really got to get in this lifetime is to get beyond anger, for example, because I used to be hugely angry. I used to be a very angry man. And I was an angry boy and an angry teenager and an angry adolescent, you know. So so that kind of followed me through my life. And so one of the things that I had to do is I had to get through that anger. So the first thing I had to work out was what caused it in the first place. So once I got rid of that, then it didn't just keep coming around and, you know, and I was getting slammed by the universe, you know, went beyond the whispering in the ear and the tickling with a feather and yeah. got slammed by the train. So once we get that as a concept, then we go, oh, wait a minute, are you telling me that we are here to learn from our problems, you know, the, the things that happened in our past, hmm. not those problems weren't there to bring us down and turn us into a victim. And you say, absolutely. That's exactly what life is. So, so that for some people is a whole new concept. So they go, wait a minute, does that mean I can learn from my past instead of being anchored to my past? Correct. Awesome. So, so now you've got, you, you've taken them up to a new philosophical point. So now you can teach them so much more stuff and you can progress them in such incredible ways because they hit this new level. Now, same concept in the space of wealth or, or doing better financially. Yeah. Once a person starts to understand a concept such as leverage, then what happens is they are at a new platform now. So that they can say, okay, so you're telling me if I can leverage my time, so instead of earning $60 an hour, I can earn $600 an hour. And you say, exactly. Now they will ask the question, okay, how? How, how do I do that? And, I, and, and if I was coaching that person, I'd say, let's first ask why. Why would you want to do that? And let's find your motive and then let's ask how. Let's, let's, well, let's ask what first even before we ask how. Like why would you want to do it? What would you do? In other words, where would you focus? And then we'll ask how can you focus in that area and really master leverage? You know, what is about to become shortly, my Monday night, Tuesday night, you know, Wednesday night, Thursday night, I teach, so I teach neuro-linguistic programming, public speaking, and a whole bunch of other things. That is leverage because I am giving the same value to not now in coaching one person, I'm now giving that same value to a lot of people. So that's leverage. Now I also have online courses. So people right now while we're having this chat, there are people in our online courses and they are paying us money for those online courses. So I'm earning even though I'm not working, literally. Wow. So so that again is leverage. So equally, you know, um, you know, I write lots of books. So there it is. So I actually give me a moment, I think I've got your book here. Oh fantastico. Oh, this is it. I, I got it. It was sitting there on my desk. It's it's called A Richer Way to Think by Rick Schnabel. Awesome. <laughs> that, that, that actually, that book was this book. Oh, really? Yeah. That's right. You did say that. I, I know it's reversed at the moment in our video, but, mm. you know, uh, it was called Life Beyond Limits at first. 
and um, and that was when it was first published. And then it then it was published in England, and they called it um, what did they call it? The Secrets to Creating a Life Beyond Limits, because the secret had just come wow. out then. And um, and now it's called a richer way to think. I think we're sort of come near the end of our amazing uh, episode, and you've shared so much knowledge and wisdom about untraining your brain, retraining your brain, and strategies and techniques on how to get breakthroughs in your life. And it's been just a a ton of knowledge. Like I'm just so grateful that you've shared all this with us today on the will to win show. And, um, before we finish up, I just want to, um, see if there's, if there's anything else you just want to quickly, uh, say, if not, uh, feel free to just share how we can, uh, connect how our guests or anyone listening can connect with you. Where do they go to find you and hear more about your coaching and programs and training? Cool. Uh, I think probably the easiest place to go would be lifebeyondlimits.com.au, which is our website. Um, there's a contact page. There's a whole bunch of freebies on, on that website. And there's so many resources there. I think that probably would be the best place to go because there's just so much there. Oh. Thank you kindly, Steve. Um, it's it's one of those things that I often think about it, you know, when I come off a podcast or, you know, come off a particular interview. Uh, I, I often think to myself, did I give enough? And it, it's, it's one of those things like I've now done over 38,000 hours of one-on-one -on -one transformational work and you, wow. you just learn so much. And I've consumed so much over the years, lots of reading, lots of study. And, you know, I, I think, as I said earlier, you know, when you learn things, it, it's, I think it's part of your mission to be able to share those things. And, you know, I, I just hope sure. that I've given a lot of valuable information today that people can take away and, um, you know, change, shift, transform their lives in a particular way. Absolutely. I'm, I'm just blown away. And yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing the um, people's stories about how they're being impacted by what you've shared today. So yeah, thank you so much, Rick. And wishing you all the best for the future in your coaching, your training, and contributing to making the world a better place. Cool. Thank you so much, Steve. I've really appreciated being here with you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Thank you for listening to The Will to Win. I hope today's episode was overflowing with value and helped inspire you to make what seems impossible totally possible. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit the subscribe button. And if you got value from this episode, it would make such a huge difference if you could just take one minute of your time to leave me a five-star rating and review, then screenshot this episode, share it on your story, and tag me in. And until next time, don't forget to remember that nothing is impossible.